back to the CFL podcast. Connor Cragen coming at you here on a lovely Wednesday afternoon, at least here in Bethlehem. Topping 80 degrees down here, really nice out. Brandon actually cannot join us today, so instead we are joined by a fellow manager, Andrew Pattentrigger. Andrew, how are you? I'm doing wonderful today. Not so nice here in Buffalo, uh, but I'm managing. All right, sounds good. So, uh, Andrew, um, I'm sure you already know the drill here, but I'll just run it down for you and the listeners. Uh, First, we're going to go through some current events and news of the week. Uh, Again, yet more quarterback controversy and and injuries, but we'll get into that. And then after that, we're going to do some waiver analysis. We had four four more waivers this week. Uh, After that, we're going to go through our games of the week. I'm going to discuss Brandon and my combined power rankings and let you provide some input on those. And then we're going to finish this off with some matchup previews. How does that sound? Sounds great. I certainly will have some hot takes. (laughs) Okay. Looking forward to it. So first off here, let's get into the news of the week. First, very, very unfortunate and sad for my Beagles. We had my Patriots taking out Josh Allen from the game. Uh, He's officially on the concussion protocol. So, Andrew, what do you think of the prospects for the Bills' offensive skill players and, you know, whether Matt Barkley is a viable starter going forward? I mean, first of all, if you were starting any Bills to begin with, you're in trouble just on your own. However, now that Josh Allen is out, you're losing a whole dimension of that offense. I mean, the whole point of Josh Allen is to have a guy who can air the ball out. So if you're starting a guy like John Brown, I'm not even sure of any other wide receivers on that team, maybe Dawson Knox, it's certainly going to take a hit. You're not going to be trying to throw the ball at all, which I think will actually give you a bit of an advantage with uh, Devin Singletary. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I was going to push back a little bit. You know, I'm starting, I am starting Josh Allen and I am starting the Bills defense, both who I, I think are very viable. Uh, I think Cole Beasley is another receiver on that team. I'll just throw him in there. I'm still waiting. I mean, again, it's kind of funny that I own all these players that you're mentioning, but I'm still waiting for Devin Singletary to come back from his injury, and I'm I'm being very patient with him because I feel like he's going to have a lot of upside once he does get healthy and come back. I think Matt Barkley is fine. I think against a very tough Patriots team last week, he might have you know been shown to be a little bit iffy but I think you know there's better days for the Bills ahead they're playing the Titans which week this week which I think could be a a better matchup if you've got any of those skill players Um, I don't think anyone in our league does except for maybe myself but you know if you're if you're really strapped for a QB2 I think you gotta at least look at Matt Barkley this week if Josh Allen does have to be ruled out they might take the more cautious approach because I know the Bills are on bye in two weeks so maybe they just sit Josh Allen this week and you know, let him really heal up and be ready for a return in Week Eight. So I think a lot's up in the air, and you can't really. I, I maybe you do pick up Matt Barkley in the meantime as an insurance policy, but certainly you know Josh Allen could be starting this week. We just don't know. Yeah, I think it really depends on what the Bills think they are this year. If they think they're truly a contender, I mean, at three and one, you can't discount them. They are one game back in the AFC East. Obviously, nowhere near the level that the Patriots are at, but that defense is legit. And so if you are Sean McDermott, you might want to get Josh Allen back on that field if you're trying to make a playoff push. Yeah, especially against a a fellow AFC rival team in the Titans could be good if you're fighting for that wild card spot. It also sounds like you're maybe making a little bit of a a backhanded comment about your Jets over there, Andrew. 
Oh, let's not even talk about the Jets. They're irrelevant. <laughs> Entirely irrelevant. Okay. I understood. <laughs> let's uh let's move on to the the next uh piece of news we have here. We have Mitch Trubisky on the Bears actually going out with a shoulder injury. It looked a little bit severe. He was in a, a sling during that Bears game, but Chase Daniel did, you know, come in and f- fill in pretty well for him uh in his absence. And so, uh, you know, again, I'll ask you the same thing. What do you think about his prospects? His might be a little bit more long-term than Josh Allen, but again, it's one of those things that we don't really know. How does this affect any of the, the Bears' offensive skill players, if it does at all? Yeah, so as far as Mitch Trubisky goes, I would say at this point he is almost droppable if you don't have a spot on your IR. Uh, I know in this 2QB league it's going to be a very valuable asset if he can reach those ceilings that you know, he flashed last year, but so far it's been nothing but floor besides a performance against the Redskins who, you know, have been giving up points to everybody. So if I'm the Bears, I'm looking to either get Trubisky on the IR and pick up a free agent quarterback or drop Trubisky outright and pick up his replacement. As far as the skill position players, I don't think the Bears lose anything with Mitch Trubisky out. I think Mitch Trubisky held them back more than anything. He's not making the throws that he should be making, and I think Chase Daniel is a much more reliable quarterback. Uh, they might not be going for those big plays, so I'm, I'm thinking Taylor Gabriel is going to be taking a hit, but I don't think anybody has him rostered at this point. So if you have Allen Robinson, uh, maybe even Trey Burton, you're probably going to see an increase in targets and probably yardage as well. And that's funny that you mentioned that because the Bears actually do know, do own Allen Robinson as well. So, you know, it could be, you know, taken away. could also be given back to you in the form of Allen Robinson points. But um, I think it's interesting that you, that you bring that up. I'm not necessarily disagreeing. I do think the running backs could certainly see an uptick in, you know, carries and things like that, whether it's David Montgomery, uh, who, the, who, you know, Brandon also happens to own, <laughs> or... or um, you know, Tariq Cohen or uh, Mike Davis. The newest like could, kid. Yeah, they could all see an increase in production. I think the real tough thing for Brandon here is is that he already has his IR filled with Cam Newton and A.J. Green. So really it's the question of, is Mitch Trubisky worth that spot? Or do you, does he go out and pick up a guy like a Matt Barkley or like a Mason Rudolph or one of these Redskins quarterbacks that we're about to talk about? I mean, it all depends on who he has on his bench. If he has a droppable player, you know, drop them instead. Obviously, with Cam Newton on the IR, you do get that extra quarterback slot. And so, you know, I think it's ironic how Jacoby Brissett, there's a little bit of backlash about that trade, but now he's his number one quarterback. And he's playing like it, too. Yeah, I think, I don't know, Brissett was never really the issue for me in that trade. I kind of had a feeling he would exceed his ADP. Really, it was about, for me, it was about giving away Le'Veon Bell, because I mean, you know, look, you look now. He's starting LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore, who might not even have starting jobs in a week or two from now. Uh, and he's even got Freeman on the bench. That's how bad he's been performing. So that has to be the oldest RB duo in the entire league. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I, you know, you look at his bench, like you're mentioning, and you know, he also just lost John Ross to a a very extended injury. So, I think Brandon's got some roster management that he has to take into consideration as he thinks about this upcoming week right now he's got an empty QB2 spot he's got to fill it with someone to stay competitive so yeah definitely it's a tall order it's tough to be in an 0-4 slot and stay motivated Oof. to 
keep up your uh, roster management, but I, I encourage Brandon to keep trying. There is yeah. a path to the playoffs considering the Tigers have big bust potential. That is very true. I agree. Let's move on to our last bit of news this week, and I kind of alluded to it. It was those Redskins quarterbacks. We saw Case Keenum getting benched last week in the favor of Dwayne Haskins, but I don't think Dwayne Haskins was playing any better than Case Keenum was. I think he threw another two interceptions to the Giants, and now we hear that they might even be turning to a third option, Colt McCoy, this week. Uh, Currently, none of the CFL managers own any of these Redskins quarterbacks, so um, I'll start this one off. I I mean, I feel like Whichever one is starting this week, I feel like is worth at least looking at for a QB2 spot, especially especially someone like Brandon who needs a QB2. It's tough to know what Jay Gruden is going to do long-term. I think he wants to save his job, but he's also said repeatedly that he doesn't want to throw Haskins in when he's not ready. And, I mean, based on last week, Haskins is not ready. I would, if I were, if it were me, I'd be starting Case Keenum still. I think Case Keenum has shown more potential than either of those two, either either of those two other guys. I don't know if they're trying to tank, you know, or what, but it's just a very odd situation that Washington is going through right now with those three. Yeah, absolutely. And first of all, I just want to say it was only a matter of time before Jay Gruden decided to start Colt McCoy. It was a long time coming, but he finally got back to where he wants to be, which is with Colt McCoy at the helm. But besides that, I'm going to say stay away from any of those quarterbacks. We saw them face the weakest secondary in the league, probably by far, in the Giants last week. Janoris Jenkins got roasted by Mike Evans for three touchdowns and 200 yards the previous week, and then wins defensive player of the week this time against those Redskins quarterbacks. I'm avoiding them like the plague. They're going to turn any roster to dust. Yeah, I mean, maybe I don't feel as strongly as you do about them. I feel like you're not happy starting them, certainly. But I think depending on the matchup, um, they're going to be playing from behind. They've got some some, some talent on that offense. You know, Adrian Peterson, my boy Terry McLaurin, you know, Chris Thompson. I, I could see some garbage time potential with them. So maybe not, you know, good NFL play, but certainly some fantasy potential there yeah sure i do think that they faced possibly their juiciest matchup of the year already so playing the matchups will be tough but if you're desperate you could certainly do worse sure okay let's um let's move on to the waivers that we had this week we saw nls with actually the first waiver use it on jimmy graham who right now is the 16th ranked tight end who put up 12 points last week, so maybe some recency bias there, but only averaging five-ish points per week so far. Andrew, what do you think of NLS taking kind of this flyer on Jimmy Graham? I made the same mistake last year, Connor. It It's very appealing to go with a name that you know and you trust in Jimmy Graham. And he is, this season, having a slight resurgence, if you can call it that. He is seeming to get more targets from Aaron Rodgers as the wide receivers cannot get open. And with the injury to, De- to Devontae Adams, I can see Jimmy Graham filling in some of those lost targets. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's very high risk. I think he's a safe play. He drops Jason, or um, he drops Nick Vanette, excuse me. Um, maybe he just is pretty low on the Pittsburgh offense right now, which, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to blame him. 
um, Nick Van Neck, you know, getting traded to the Steelers, coming over from Seattle. So maybe he's just jumping ship on that one. You know, it's curious that NLS, you know, at about 9.30 this morning, also picked up uh, Ben Watson, the Patriots tight end, who's coming off of a suspension. That That's a very intriguing uh, pick, and maybe that's some insur- insurance at the tight end position. You know, very much an unknown in terms of how much Ben Watson will be involved. Um, I, I think Bryce will probably wait and see how much he's used against the Redskins this week. You know, a very uh, a defense that you can definitely score on. So that's that's an intriguing pickup, and I almost I almost wonder if using the waiver was was even worth it. I'm not even sure if anyone would have used the waiver on Jimmy Graham. So it's a very it's a desperation move, I think, for the NLS to do that. And I feel like it might have been a little bit pricey to spend a waiver on a guy who you might not even be looking to start long term. Yeah, I do think Jimmy Graham will be able to slot in this week. I know he used his waiver on Vanette last week. Didn't exactly work out, but it's the risk you take. And considering that Bryce did use that waiver last time, I mean, he's already back up to seven. He didn't really lose much. I'm pretty sure he was already low in the order, so I don't have a problem with using the waiver on Jimmy Graham, especially considering Dallas has been pretty soft to tight end so far this year. Okay, the second waiver we had was um, Austin again picking up Teddy Bridgewater, the Saints quarterback, off of waivers after I think dropping him maybe only you know three or four days prior. So he's back on the Griffins. He drops Jason Witten to to uh, free agency, um, and you know when you look at the Griffins roster, he's already starting him. He's put him plugged him right back into the lineup. He plays a pretty uh, suspect Tampa defense. This week, so maybe that's the rationale there. And he goes ahead and he benches Daniel Jones against the Vikings. Do you think that's kind of a overreaction, or do you think Austin made a right move here? I got to start this off by saying I I feel so bad for Austin. The poor kid. He pours his heart into fantasy, and he's just getting screwed over by this quarterback situation. Nobody could envision it. However, as far as playing Teddy Bridgewater goes, I think you kind of have to. Daniel Jones did show last week that he is immortal, um, or a-mortal, I should say. He threw two interceptions, I believe, uh, and he's been shown, or he's shown that he's prone to fumbles at certain points. So I think you kind of give him a little bit more time to prove his worth and throw in Teddy Bridgewater, who you know is going to be able to dump the ball off to, say, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas. Well, the Giants' weapons in Wayne Gallman and Sterling Shepard are a little less inspiring. Yeah, I think it's very much a toss-up here. I, I think Daniel Jones, I think, has shown more. I mean, Bridgewater only put up seven points last week, and I get it was, you know, against Dallas, and they won by kicking four field goals, but, you know, I don't think Bridgewater really did anything that impressed me last Sunday night against the Cowboys. Um, I think you're right. It is an easier defense that they go up against this week in Tampa, and I do expect it to be high-scoring. I think... Bridgewater is kind of the the high risk high reward quarterback at least for this week and maybe Austin feels like he needs that against the NLS. I think it's kind of a toss up. I think it's a very tough call. The Vikings are trying to bounce back. I could also see that being a high scoring week too, but I, I that's going to be one of the the decisions I'm going to be watching very carefully, very closely this week as to whether Austin can actually make the right quarterback decisions. I truly hope he does. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, next, we had Not Guilty picking 
A.J. Brown. And so A.J. Brown was a guy that I had looked at. He, I think, put up over 20 points this past week. He's the receiver on the Titans. He's, the, I think, the number two to Corey Davis. He's a rookie this year. Yeah, he put, he put up 21 points. Before that, hadn't really done too much. He had a, um, 100 yards week one, but then weeks two and three had been, you know, kind of duds. So kind of seems like to be hit or miss. I, I don't mind him using a waiver on this guy. I don't think he's going to be putting up 20 points a week for, for sure. Uh, Atlanta's defense isn't the greatest. But I think there's some potential there, and really I think it's just a matter of whether Marcus Mariota can actually have a good week. And when you look at Collins' you know, lineup, maybe he does try to put him in over a guy like Philip Dorsett or Josh Gordon. Maybe he's trying to be less Patriots-heavy. He's got a bunch of receivers on the bench right now with Calvin Ridley, Golden Tate, you know, Demarcus Robinson, A.J. Brown, and then Tyreek Hill and Nikhil Harry, both on IR. So I'm maybe this is what you'll, you're, you were alluding to earlier, but I'm not really sure what Collins' strategy is here picking up these receivers. I, I can see some logic behind this. I mean, he does have two Patriots receivers in his lineup right now. You're going to want to replace one of those. Tom Brady's offense hasn't been the one carrying the games this year. It's been all defense. Uh, besides against Miami, but that's an outlier for everybody. The appeal that I can see here is that later in the season, if A.J. Brown proves to be this breakout candidate that he is in his rookie year, he's going to have plenty of pieces that he can use uh, as trade bait in order to maybe get himself an RB2 or an RB3. I think the most likely candidate for that would be A.J. Brown or even Calvin Ridley if A.J. Brown exceeds expectations. So I, I like the pickup. I think it was definitely worth the waiver. I considered using it myself, but didn't see a spot in my lineup for him. Yeah, it's an interesting thought about, you know, trading for running back. I think that would be the definitely the play that, you know, Brandon and I have kind of been talking about him doing for a few weeks now. I think really, really the guy that you would want to trade here is Tyree Kill. Um, and may, and I think, you know, his value is certainly going up. We, we heard that he might be practicing this week. He could be coming back sooner than we think. Maybe... Colin does try to trade some pieces like, I don't know, a Larry Fitzgerald or a Josh Gordon um, or multiple players, even one of his quarterbacks or, you know, piecing together a, a big package for maybe a solid RB1 or an RB2, I think would be the smartest move for him to make. Uh, but you're right. I think he does kind of maybe have to wait for some of these receivers to kind of break out and prove to be trade worthy. Absolutely. Okay, so the last the last waiver we have here is yet another defense by the Game of Jones. He picks the Titans defense back up after dropping them last week in a waiver for the Ravens defense. So he had the Titans defense, he drops them last week and uses a waiver on the Ravens defense, and now he's using a waiver to pick the Titans back up and drop the Ravens defense. So I don't really understand you know, the waiver logic behind this. I don't think anyone was going to be taking the Titans. Clearly, he's picking them up because he thinks that Mar Matt Barkley will be in, a, be in a quarterback. So I don't really mind the pick in terms of the fantasy appeal. It just seems like, you know, a lot of use for waivers. And maybe he's just that confident in the rest of his lineup that he feels like defense is really his weakest link here. Do you, do you agree? Now, I think it's very easy to criticize Bobby for this move. But I will provide some uh, context that may 
prove this to be the right decision for him, considering he might really want that Titans defense. Okay. I wake up earlier than Bobby every day. Most likely, I'm going to say. When I woke up today, my plan was to pick up the Titans defense. Let's say Bobby didn't use the waiver there. He loses out on that Titans defense. Maybe he's forced to go with the route of the Eagles, uh, who may be facing Sam Darnold this weekend or may not. So I think, yeah, it's not the best use of a waiver on a defense, but at the same time, I think Bobby's pretty self-aware of this, and uh, he's just doing it to troll you guys. Well, that's interesting, and he, perhaps he is. Um, you know, they are they are ranked the fourth. They are the fourth ranked defense right now. They're averaging ten points a week, and you know, maybe I'll eat my words this week when the you know game of Jones plays the Beagles, and we'll get into that match <laughs> a little bit later in the show. But yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see how that you know pans out for sure. Let's move on and get into our games of the week. Uh, Andrew, do you have a game that you've picked out? Yeah, and you know, I uh, I've changed my mind since we last spoke. And I'm going to be going to the Pittsburgh versus Baltimore game. Okay. Now that's going to be an interesting one for me because obviously Mason Rudolph is sitting in free agency at the moment. And Mason Rudolph, while he's throwing a lower distance downfield per target than even Tom Brady does, he has put up approximately 15 points in back-to-back weeks, and that's solid as a QB2, maybe even a QB1 for some people who have not been getting the production that they wish out of their quarterback. Uh, Secondly, we have to see the development of Deontay Johnson as well as what kind of production he's going to get out of Juju Smith-Schuster. I know that uh, Mason Rudolph has been quoted uh, in an interview saying that he needs to get Juju the ball more because Juju is a great leader on the field and as well as being an incredible talent. So I think it'll be interesting to see if the Steelers are going to lean more on that pass game, try to get him to throw the ball further downfield, or if they're going to continue to uh, use that two-headed monster in Jalen Samuels and James Conner in order to pick up the majority of their yardage. On the Ravens' side, I mean, you're looking at the running back position in Mark Ingram. I know he had a costly fumble last week. You're going to have to see how he bounces back in a division game. Lamar Jackson, I envision this being a week in which he returns to his dominant self. I think he's going to run all over this Steelers defense. I know that they just shut out Andy Dalton, but that's Andy Dalton, so I can't really extrapolate anything from that. Uh, As well as Marquise Brown, who has been throwing up quite a few duds in a row after his dominant Week 1 performance. So it'll be interesting to see how each of these offensive pieces are used. Um, so, yeah, that's my game of the week. What about you, Connor? Yeah, I think that's a good pick. I, I hope that Deontay Johnson will perform well and step up. I you know, kind of got my, as my, on my bench as uh, kind of a flyer, uh, if you will. But, yeah, I think that it's a very important matchup in terms of, you know, NFL implications. You know, Pittsburgh's trying to be competitive in the division, and they're trying to, you know, take down the leader of the AFC North currently. So I think that's a good matchup. I'm going to go with another divisional matchup, which is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing the New Orleans Saints. And I don't want to spoil too much of this, but the main reason I picked this is because it has huge CFL implications in one of our matchups this week. And we'll talk about that you know, as it comes up. But again, just another divisional matchup. The Bucks, who are 2-2, two and two, are trying to catch up to the Saints. And, you know, the Saints are vulnerable right now with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. The Tampa defense has proven to be 
kind of a threat, in t- especially in terms of uh, you know pass pressure and um, you know pressure from the pocket and the you know the defensive line. I also want to see how the receivers are going to be shaking out. You know, will Kamara continue to excel? Um, how much does Latavius Murray continue to get involved, if at all? Um, because as of right now, he's proven to really not be the same you know level of production as like a Mark Ingram. So I think there's a lot to like with this matchup too, and um, you know we'll get into a lot of the particulars when we talk about the certain matchup that has a lot of these players. For sure. Okay, let's uh, let's go on to our power rankings. So while Brandon could not be with us on the podcast, he was able to get in his uh, his picks to me, and you know I did my own picks, and we kind of put those together into a you know an overall power ranking. So Andrew, I'll go through these real quick, and then. I'll uh, I'll let you kind of respond, and we can analyze them as we go. So, uh, number number ten, we still have the Bears, not guilty. We uh, still have at nine, so there's there's no change there. Uh, also, no change. We have the Beagles at eight, and again with no change, we have the Griffins at seven. At number six, we still have the Sharks. So again, there's been no change from the ten through six spots. Number five is where we began to change our rankings up from last week. We had Game of Jones moving down two spots from its, uh, you know, number three spot last week to the number five spot. At number four, we have the Tigers slowly creeping up from the fifth spot to the fourth spot um, after another another win, their fourth win. At number three, we have another team that's moved up one spot. We have the the Coastal Kids. Oh yeah. Who now sit in at the third spot? Uh, number two, we still have no lady stuff. And number one, of course, we have to respect the Oswego Blizzard, who still, uh, you know, it's hard to bet against the Blizzard right now. They still reign supreme. So that's our rankings, real quick. Andrew, I'll just let you kind of share your thoughts broadly and maybe, you know, team specifically as well. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think uh, the bottom five, it's certainly debatable where each of them would go. I mean, your team could range anywhere from team nine to team six. But I think it's pretty indisputable that the Bears are down at the bottom. Uh, my differences actually come when we look at the top five. If I would uh, share my top five for the moment, obviously we have the Blizzard at one. They've shown pure dominance throughout. NLS is going to come in at number two. I don't care about the record. Even though they're two and two, they're still putting up some of the most points in the league, if not the most. Uh, where we're going to differ here, I'm going to put the Tigers at number three. You got to give respect to that four and zero record, even if their team doesn't necessarily look as strong on paper as others. They're 4-0. At the end of the day, that's going to put you in a very good position to make the playoffs at the end of the year. And I think that's the goal. You want to give yourself a chance at the end. Uh, Coming in at number 4, in my opinion, we have Game of Jones. Game of Jones is strong top to bottom. And while I do respect you guys and appreciate you guys putting the kids at 3, I'm going to put myself at 5 because my depth has shown to be... Not deep at all. I have my starting lineup. I think my running back duo rivals some of the best in the game. My quarterback duo is definitely top two or three. But my wide receivers were falling apart there. Kenny Galladay sits out this week, and I'm not sure how I'm going to survive. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I look at the Tigers, you know, I, I look at the the standings, but also kind of their, their strength of the teams and you know, their points for and things like that. The Tigers have the lowest points against in our league, you know, by a country mile, by, you know, more than 40 points. And I know I'm going to get a lot of bickering when people hear this, that, you know, points against doesn't matter. It's really, you know, points for is what you got to be looking at. And yes, the Tigers do have one of the best points for, but really they've just had relatively easy matchups. They've been kind of dinging on some of the, the bottom teams, you know, myself and the Bears and, you know, others, but they've kind of had an easy schedule so far. And I think the, the holes on their roster when it comes to some of the injuries that they've had and had to use waivers to piece together, I think they will come home to roost at some point, which is maybe why we didn't have them at three. And I think, you know, your your rankings is certainly debatable. I, I don't have a problem necessarily with those rankings. I think, you know, kids, Tigers, and Jones, who we have at, you know, three, four, five, I think all three of those teams are pretty neck and neck right now. And I think you've got, you're going to have a couple weeks coming up here, especially when we get into these bye weeks, that might shake those out. And you might even see teams like the Blizzard and NLS fall back to the pack. And you might even, you know, likewise, you might see some of these bottom five teams, you know, jump up and surprisingly. So I think you've got kind of like three tiers, as you were mentioning. You've still got your top two. You've got three, four, th- three through five, which is pretty competitive. And then you've got, you know, four or five teams who are, are kind of just vying for a, a, a wild card spot at this point. So definitely interesting and um, not too much movement on our rankings this week. But we'll see if anything significant happens going into week five. Yeah, I'm interested to see who the breakout players are for the second half of the year. There's always one. Last year, uh, Marlon Mack and Dalvin Cook, I remember, came back and, you know, just took the league by storm. And I'm hoping that Kareem Hunt can be a similar option like that to me. Maybe if Nick Chubb gets tired toward the end of the year, or if they're guaranteed a playoff spot, they'll lean on Hunt to, you know, spell Nick Chubb and hopefully give me some fantasy value in the process. Interesting. Okay, um, let's move right along here. We're going to get into all five of the weekly matchups. And Brandon was also kind enough to send over his predictions as well, even though you know he couldn't say them in person. So I can relay those uh, for the listeners. But as of right now, we after four weeks, Brandon and I are tied at 12 picks each. So we've each picked 12 out of the 20 matchups so far correctly so uh, you know not as great as i think either of us thought we'd be batting but still over 50 percent so you say you're above a you coin know. flip and that's more yeah. than you can ask for yeah not not too bad i don't think and it's you know neck and neck so this that's kind of exciting so andrew um i'm gonna let you start off this first one here we've got the uh you know not guilty versus the bears we have the bears struggling at an 0-4 record and not guilty kind of not too far behind them at one and three yeah i think uh as i look at this matchup the glaring issue here is the fact that the bears do not have a quarterback too which i think is certainly leading me in the direction of picking collins team although i probably would even if there was a quarterback too in that slot i do think colin uh it's getting a bit disrespected being put at nine. He does have a lot of solid pieces on his team. I do think that on a weekly basis, he's relying far too much on the Patriots, but that's been said time and time again. Of uh, looking at the quarterback matchups, it's clear that Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady going up against the 
Colts and the Redskins, respectively, they're going to put up some points. And while Jacoby Brissett might try to keep pace with Patrick Mahomes, there's no way that their offense is going to be as pass-heavy as the Chiefs are. Uh, if we're going to look at the running backs, I think I would honestly give the slight edge to the Bears here. LaShawn McCoy and David Montgomery versus Chris Carson and James White. Uh, we'll have to see how James White does. I know he hasn't played in a little bit. I don't know if you played last week, did you, Connor? James White, yeah, I believe so. They face a tough Bears defense. I do expect them to be running late in the game because this is going to be a blowout. So you might see a little bit more of Sony Michelle as opposed to James White in the passing game. When we're looking at wide receivers here, I got to give a slight edge to the Bears as well and tight end the Bears. But when we're looking at it overall, I think Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady are going to be enough to carry uh, not guilty to victory. What do you think, Connor? Yeah, I don't really disagree with any of that. I, I don't love the running backs in either of these teams right now. I mean, besides Montgomery, I think Montgomery has the potential to have a great outing against the Raiders. You know, it's really funny when you look at the Bears and their quarterbacks. I don't even, I mean, we talked about this earlier. I don't even know if they do drop Trubisky. I think, I have a, I'm suspecting that Brandon might be too loyal to his Bears to go the to go the length to drop Mitch Trubisky and pick up like a Mason Rudolph or um, you know one of the Redskins or Matt Barkley. So so maybe maybe he is gonna roll with one quarterback this week. It would be kind of crazy, and I would be that much more impressed if he did win. Kind of be a little bit disrespectful to Colin. I do think, as you said, the Patriots are gonna be too overwhelming for the Bears to overcome this week. It's unfortunate that he has to play. Collins Pats against a Redskins defense that has given up a lot of points. I don't. I think James White. I might disagree a little bit with you on him. I think he will still have a great game. Michelle has really struggled this year so far. Um, kind of one of the biggest surprises to me. I thought he was going to have a really breakout season, and and just so far he really hasn't gotten up to speed. Maybe it's been some O line play, but I think they still want to heavily lean on James White in all facets of the game. Uh, Patriots defense, I think even by itself, like you know, you you take you take Collins team and you make it more balanced. But if I think the Patriots defense still wins him the matchup this week alone, I think that could, defense could put up more than twenty points easily. I could also uh, see the Bears doing that as well, though. Yeah, you're not wrong. That's a good point. You know, the Bears playing Oakland's offense, and I, I think that game will still be a little more competitive. We'll have to see if Chase Daniel can keep that offense on the field. And, uh, you know, not tire out the defense as much. Um, so, yeah, that'll certainly be interesting. And it's kind of funny that Brandon does have, you know, the Pats kicker, Goskowski, who, you know, if the Patriots end up kicking a lot of field goals, you know, that could end up swinging his way quite a bit and really damaging the potential of Collins' team. So I am going to go with uh, not guilty on this one just because of the Pats. Brandon has also picked not guilty. However, Brandon did add that if the Bears do add a second quarterback like, um, you know, Daniels or another serviceable guy, he's going to switch his pick to the Bears. So um, what do you think about this matchup? I mean, it's bold to assume that Brandon wouldn't pick up a second quarterback. So I'm going to go I ahead and just... I wouldn't be surprised. I, you have to look at a guy like John Ross or Ted Ginn to be droppable here. John Ross That's is true. headed to the IR. 
Ted Ginn, largely a non-factor, so I'm going to guess he's going to pick up a quarterback. Now, uh, just just to harken back to my old days as a uh, CFL analyst in the column I used to write, I'm going to provide a bold prediction for this matchup. Okay. And my bold prediction is that whichever defense scores more, their team is going to win this game. Oh, interesting. Okay, so you think this? So you think this game will be decided by four o'clock on Sunday? Absolutely. Okay. Um. You know, one last comment on that. I I would agree with the you know Ross or Ted Ginn, but in our league, you only are allowed to have three quarterbacks, which is the main reason why I'm kind of skeptical about him dropping, you know, picking up a quarterback because he would have to drop either Trubisky or Newton. Well, and Newton's I on really, the IR. Yeah, but I, I don't I don't think it really matters though. No, because I had Sam Darnold on the IR, and I was able to pick up Mason Rudolph for a week just in case. Um, so you're allowed to have four quarterbacks, just not four quarterbacks on the active roster. Oh, gotcha. Okay, that's yes. my bad. No worries. All right, let's keep moving. We have our second matchup, which is the Loudonville Griffins against the SUNY No Lady Stuff. And I'll start this one off here. Uh, I just want to know, we've been talking about how Bryce is so dependent and leaning on his Cowboys and his Chargers to, you know, pretty decent success. But now he's also leaning on the Bengals with his with his Andy Dalton and Tyler Boyd, you know, wombo combo. So he's got two players from of at least of at least three teams. So I find that very interesting from a, a lineup perspective. I do think for this one the game of the week is going to be the Cowboys and the Packers because we have the Cowboys defense on the Griffins and then we have Zeke Cooper and Jimmy Graham all on NLS. So that's clearly the matchup that Bryce is going to be eyeing this week. Yes, and let's not forget about Devontae Adams. If he's able to play through his turf toe, I believe the injury was, that could add a bit more intrigue to that matchup. Oh, right, of course. Yeah, he would uh, He would be also on the Griffins as well. That would definitely be, <laughs> yeah, that would make even more game of the week for sure. You know, Austin right now, he's leaning a lot on his on his Eagles players, he's got Deshaun, Ertz, and Jordan Howard all in the lineup after Howard put up, you know, three touchdowns last week. I see Howard's performance as more of a fluke than anything else. I don't really know if you can trust Miles Sanders or Howard week in and week out. Week in and week out, I think they do have a great matchup against the Jets, and so maybe maybe he does have another great week here. But and maybe he proves me wrong. But uh, I'm not sure how I feel about putting Howard there at the flex position. Um, you know, I noticed that he's got Josh Jacobs on the bench. Um, he's got an elbow injury that he's been dealing with. It just seems like the Griffins just keep mounting up these injuries to their, their really star skill players, and yet Dalvin Cook just continues to be the rock that's going to have to keep chugging away, really, to beat any of these opponents that Austin goes up against. And, you know, Kirk Cousins, likewise, needs to get his act together. He's put up some duds, and he's been missing my boy Adam Thielen on open routes. So, really, he's leaning on his Vikings and his Eagles to get their acts together and, you know, put up some points. Yeah, while I do think that the Eagles are going to have an absolutely explosive performance against the Jets this week, I do think he has been suffering from recency bias. To no fault of his own, he has some injuries, and so he has to kind of play the hot hand. But when you look at last week, he played Nelson Aguilar after a big two-touchdown performance. The following week against the kids, puts up zero. Uh, Now you got Jordan Howard last week, puts up three touchdowns on his bench. 
he might just be lagging one week behind and playing the wrong players each week. But like I said, it's 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 a tough position for him to be in considering the injuries to pretty critical components of his team. Uh, as far as Bryce goes, the main thing we have to be concerned about here, the main thing to watch will be the usage of Austin Eckler following the return of Melvin Gordon. I know that's going to be on everybody's mind. We're all going to be interested to see you know, if Melvin Gordon comes back firing right away. We're going to get into that when we talk about Bobby's team. But Austin Eckler has been a critical part of the MLS success. He's put up RB1 numbers, top five RB numbers, and has pretty much been his best running back on the team, besides maybe Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, he's, he's got one, I mean, they're 1-2. One, they're 1-2 right now. Yeah, he's so. definitely outperformed Zeke. And so, you know, you have, you're going to have to be looking for Zeke to return to form and take up the spot that Austin Eckler was uh, performing at. And maybe Eckler returns to his serviceable flex option. I definitely think he's flex at worst. Uh, but he's definitely not going to be that RB1 that he's used to week in and week out. Yeah, I don't, I'm not as concerned with Eckler. I mean, Brandon and I talked about this last week. I really think it will be a true committee. The Chargers coach has come out and at least in the short term said that he's not going to be given, giving Gordon you know, 30 carries. Um, he's going to ease him back in. Uh, really, the concern to me on this roster is Dalton. Um, you know, Dolan did come back down to earth against Pittsburgh. I think he put up like three points or something ridiculously low this week. Yeah, 3.6 points. He had been off to a great start. And I think, you know, is Gardner Minshew a good answer this week against Carolina? I, I would argue perhaps, um, you know, Dolan does play a pretty easy defense against the Cardinals this week. So I think that would be an, that's an intriguing kind of another intriguing quarterback decision for Bryce to make. I think his receivers will be fine. You know, Edelman, again, against the Redskins is going to be good. Cooper, I think, could actually have some tough sledding to go against Green Bay. And, you know, same with Elliott, too. They've they've shown to have an okay run defense. Um, but I think I agree with you. I just think this, this manpower here on NLS is going to be too much for kind of the, the struggling Griffins starting, you know, Philip Lindsay and... Jordan Howard as his you know RB two and three with Josh Jacobs out. I, I wouldn't be too excited about that. Really, barring just like an absolute feasting on the Jets by the Eagles, I just see the Griffins having a tough time this week, even putting up more than a hundred points. So I'm gonna give this one to the NLS, and I think it's gonna be by a good margin. Yeah, I'm gonna the same go with NLS here. I think that's the obvious choice. I'm assuming. Uh... Analyst Ng did that as well. He did. And just to stick with the bold predictions here, I'm going to say that Deshaun Jackson gets blanked himself. I think Marcus May and Jamal Adams will be able to uh, keep him in control over the top. But I don't see Deshaun Jackson doing too much against this defense, even though on paper they're not very good. Ertz, I think, will have a field day with C.J. Mosley out. Uh, the Jets have had largely had a tough time defending most receivers that come across the middle of the field, and Ertz is a possession machine. Uh, Wentz is going to be hitting him early and often. Yeah, and yeah, like I said, Brandon also picked NLS. Let's move on to the third matchup. We have your team, the Buffalo Coastal Chunky Coastal Kids, versus the Latham Land Sharks. I'll start this one off. 
Um, you know, we have Deshaun Watson versus um, DeAndre Hopkins. That's, I think, the marquee kind of opposing star players to really watch here. Um, and likewise, we have some Ravens in the mix. We have Lamar Jackson and Ingram kind of versus Hollywood Brown. So I think Hollywood Brown could really be maybe the decider. He's been kind of inconsistent as of late. And can he get back to his week one, week two performances? And finally, I think what's going to be really fun and exciting to watch is kind of your Monday night stars. We've got George Kittle on one side, and we have Odell Beckham Jr. on the other side. So who's going to really be able to close out this matchup? Because I'm expecting it, I'm expecting it to be pretty close. What do you think? Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one to me. I think I have a choice of whether or not I'm going to play Marquise Brown this week, but I'm leaning towards doing so. Because with every Lamar Jackson touchdown, there's a chance that it gets neutralized by Marquise Brown catching it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's hopefully uh, the route I'm going to take. I'm looking to see whether or not this Baltimore attack is going to be run heavy against this Pittsburgh defense. I know that uh, the Bengals had little to no success running with Joe Mixon, but their line is far inferior to the Baltimore offensive line. So I think this is going to be a matchup with the quarterbacks as it typically is with the kids. I mean, my quarterback duo has carried me this entire year, but Deshaun Watson has also put up some duds. So it'll be interesting to see if he can bounce back from last week's dud and put up a big number against the Atlanta defense that has been floundering, to say the least. Yeah, you do have Le'Veon Bell coming off his bye week. I do think, though, he's going to have a tough time against the Eagles. Um, I think out of all those kind of skill players on both sides of the ball in that matchup, I think Lev Bell is going to be the one who might have the most you know difficulty in that moment. I think the Eagles' front seven is pretty stout, and, you know, they're, I think you know their secondary is pretty suspect, but I think they should be good enough. I think maybe against you know Jamison Crowder and Robbie Anderson. That has you know we'll see about that. But I think I would be concerned about Lev Bell a little bit. But I think you you really have to start him. There's no there's no reason not to start him. I just I'm I would be a little bit you know cause for concern on that. Um, you know John's going to be watching his matchup with the Panthers and the Jags because he's got Kyle Allen who put up kind of a dud last week. In his kind of um, you know second game this year against Houston, he only put up three points. And conversely, he has Leonard Fournette, who put up a monster of a game last week with 25 points and you know two. Uh, I don't even know about any touchdowns. He just had yards. It was just 225 rushing yards and 20 receiving yards. He didn't even have a touchdown. So I think John's looking for them to continue to perform, and in Allen's case, to kind of step up and. Um, continue to be a serviceable quarterback with Derek Carr on the bench against the Bears. He also needs DeAndre Hopkins to kind of step up and be the QB1 that he drafted him as. He really hasn't put up many points since week one. And the funny thing is, is that, you know, maybe, you know, this week he is hoping for that, but you've got Watson. So I think there's a lot to, a lot of intrigue in this matchup and a lot of uh, you know, NFL matchups that'll be exciting for both of these, both of you guys to watch. Yeah, and as I'm looking at how our teams match up, I think at the running back position, obviously in name brand quality, uh, my running backs probably beat out his, but the way that they've been performing, it could even be a wash. I think Le'Veon Bell, his performance is going to depend on how quickly we reach garbage time. 
Uh, if we reach garbage time within the first half, he's going to get quite a few targets in the backfield. And, I mean, Luke Falk's the quarterback, so you kind of have to uh, temper your expectations there. When we look at the wide receivers, I mean, clearly his trio, they're the stars. They're they are the stars of his team, and they, they haven't, should be. They they should haven't be, been they performing. Haven't been. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He's getting similar production out of those superstar players as I am from my DJ Moore and DJ Chark. You know, it's it's disappointing to say the least for the Sharks, but I think that's what makes this team so intriguing and a sleeper candidate is that these are players with talent. If they can get back to getting the opportunity that they need, uh, this team's going to rocket up the standings pretty quickly. Yeah, I think for sure John's team is one of the ones that has the biggest upside overall. It's just really a matter of those guys being consistent week in and week out. And I guess my next question would be, why is he still starting Jared Cook? I mean, really, this guy is averaging two points a week. He's put up nine points on the season total. John, I don't know whether you're sleeping at the wheel at tight end. You don't have another tight end on the bench. so And you've got Jay Ajayi, who's a free agent on your bench. So just please explain this one to me. Um, you know, make Go out and make a trade. Pick up a, a body that's doing something. You know, that's my that's all I'm going to say about that. But um, I think it's also kind of interesting the amount of Lions that you guys both have on bye week. You, of course, are missing Kenny Galladay, and John's missing Marvin Jones and Carrion Johnson. So, you know, it's maybe good or bad, or I don't even know what, but that you guys are getting your your Lions bye out of the way relatively early in the season. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see really who who emerges as the stars in this matchup. Um, I am going to give the slight edge to the Sharks here. I think mm. the wide receivers have been laying dormant for far too long. I think it's time for them to explode in a big way. Stefan Diggs up against that Giants defense. Who knows? We could see some stars flying. Yeah, I think so. Brandon has picked the kids, and I think I'm still going to stick with my kids. Um, you know, they've been doing me well on my picks so far. <laughs> I just think the matchups are, are really good that you've got. you got Watson against Atlanta. Kamara, I think, is going to have a good week against Tampa. I think Russell's going to have a high-scoring matchup against the Rams on Thursday night. And I think your receivers are going to perform well enough to kind of get you over the hump. And I think Kittle could have a, a great closing-out Monday night performance. So I'm going to stick with the kids, even if you aren't going to pick yourself. I'm going to go with the kids. i got to stay humble. Yeah, of course. Um... Let's go with the fourth matchup, and I'll let you start this one off. We have my Bethlehem Beagles versus SUNY Game of Jones in kind of a intriguing matchup of, you know, my Beagles who've been struggling and, you know, the Game of Jones who were starting out strong and they're now they're back to being 2-2, two and two, only a game ahead. Yeah, uh, just to start off, what I'm going to be highlighting here is that RB2 position. We have James Conner, who just broke out and had a pretty decent game. I know he got himself into the end zone, but we uh, might potentially be seeing Jalen Samuels taking away some of those carries because he's been performing pretty well. And as far as uh, the other side goes with Game of Jones, we have Melvin Gordon making a return after uh, just being acquired through trade from the Bears, and he's really banking on him coming back and being who he is. They're facing Denver, who has been struggling lately to the tune of 0-4. So I think this could be a big performance, but they're probably going to ease him back into the game plan. And so 
I'd temper your expectations uh, if you can, Bobby. But other than that, on paper it looks pretty even, but in practice we're looking mostly at Game of Jones to come out on top here. They have a wild projection at 133 points. And so I'll be interested to see if they can reach that or even potentially exceed it. RB2 is definitely important to highlight, of course, with Melvin Gordon here. James Conner did have kind of a breakout performance last week, as I predicted. And, you know, I think I won my bet over Brandon. He had a better week than Joe Mixon. So, you know, just have to throw that out there, Brandon. Uh, that's why I he ducked. Were, yeah, that's why he's not here today. I think he maybe, maybe he was a little bit scared about, about you know, betting me again. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see if he can maybe come back for week three and feels like he can... Uh, you know, take me down next week, but uh, you want to throw yeah, up so a Connor, wager on this, Connor? I'm, I'm which I'm which specifically? Uh, let's go, James Connor versus Melvin Gordon. Who do you think gets more this week? Uh, let's see. Connor plays Baltimore, and Melvin Gordon plays the Broncos. So that's kind of an intriguing one. Uh, I that's tough. I think I'm gonna go with Connor. I think because. I think the Broncos-Chargers game is going to be low scoring in general. Just from it being in the division, I think the Broncos kind of have something to prove. I think they've been kind of beat around um, or, you know, beat up on over the last four weeks. And I think they're getting a little bit irritable. And I think it is going to be kind of like a, a, you know, ground and pound type atmosphere. And maybe the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game is too with, you know, Ingram and Connor and Samuels. It's, that's tricky because you've got two kind of committee running backs that you're asking about. I think I'm going to give the nod to Connor here just by a hair because I think he's going to be more involved in the passing game than Melvin will be. All right, absolutely. I'm going to uh, go ahead and take Melvin Gordon here just to make this interesting, and we'll see how that pans out. And I won't duck you next week if you want to uh, gloat about your victory if you win. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Anyway, for, for the rest of this matchup here, I think with my team, um, you know, I pick up a new kicker this week, uh, you know, Matt Gay, the Tampa kicker. I think he's going to have a great matchup against the Saints, going to be, you know, kicking a lot of PATs or field goals. Um, really what's intriguing for me is Ronald Jones as the flex. I picked him up last week as kind of a sleeper, and it appears that he is taking some of the running back work away from Peyton Barber, who is on not guilty. So I've thrown him in there at the flex. Really, it, a lot of this is going to depend on whether uh, Terry McLaurin or Devin Singletary on my bench are healthy. Both of, the, both of them are questionable. And also, it's going to depend on if Emmanuel Sanders actually takes the field. He's kind of dealing with an injury of his own um, with a, a quadriceps contusion, uh, which is kind of scary for a guy that age. But, I mean, Sanders says he's he's good, but I'm going to wait for the coaches to tell me otherwise. Other than that, I think my team is pretty solid. I still got Engram, the number one tight end, going. I put the Bills defense back in against the Titans, and it's funny because Bobby has the Titans defense against the Bills, so that'll be curious how that plays out. But overall, I, I am a little bit more confident in Bobby's three running backs and Chubb, Gordon, and Jones than I would be in my three. Um, having said that, though, I think for me to win, I'm going to need David Johnson to kind of capitalize on his matchup with the Bengals, I think Johnson could easily put up more than 20 points, which I think is what I'm going to have to have him do. And with Josh Allen being concussed, I need Baker Mayfield to be my Monday night closer against the 49ers, whose defense has kind of been a lot better, I think, than people 
most people thought going into the season. So I'm going to actually go uh, with myself on this matchup. I don't usually pick myself, but I will this week. I think Cooper Cup is going to have a good night, which I think could kind of mitigate some of the, the Goff and Woods um, points on the other side of the ball. Um, and Brandon's actually going to stick with the game of Jones, game of Jones. Um, so you're the tiebreaker here. here what do you, what do you think? I'm, I'm assuming you're also going to go with the Jones game of Jones. Yeah. I hate to do this to you, Connor, but I will be going with game of Jones. I do think Bobby's team is all around a bit better as far as this year goes last year. Hey, that roster would definitely be Bobby's team, but this year it's, uh, it's pretty clear that game of Jones is here to stay and he's arrived as, uh, you know, a scary member of the Colony Fantasy League. I don't know, Andrew. If I beat him, you know, we're both going to be tied at two and three. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he's got some good names on paper, but I think it's really just a matter of if my guys can can overperform. You know, my projections about thirteen points lower. So it'll definitely be an interesting matchup for sure, with a lot of my guys needing to step up in big ways this week. You know, I'm, I'm rooting um, for you. Yeah, I appreciate it. So. <laughs> Last matchup here, I think this is kind of the marquee matchup. We've got Oswego Blizzard at 3-1, and one, you know, number one on our power rankings, versus the Binghamton Tigers, who are, you know, undefeated still, 4-0. and oh, And, you know, they were at number four on our power rankings. I, I you know, I, I alluded to this with my game of the week, but this is the matchup that has so many Buccaneers and Saints. We've got... Winston and Godwin, Seth's tr- you know duo on his side, and for Brandon we have Mike Evans, and in addition for the Saints we have Michael Thomas, and then we have Will Lutz. So you know you're looking at uh, four or five or six players just in one matchup. So clearly that's going to be the game that both of these managers will be watching this week. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really here. I'm looking at the quarterback matchups. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I know last year when I chose him in the third round, he turned out to be an utter disappointment, only putting up one performance of uh, 30-plus points. I don't think this is the week for Rodgers to return to form. He's going up against Dallas, whose secondary has been quite formidable so far this year. Kyler Murray up against the Cincinnati defense, however, I think could be a bit of a breakout performance for him. We saw Mason Rudolph throw for like 89% completion percentage. Uh, I do think Kyler Murray is a bit more dynamic than Mason Rudolph is. Obviously, he was selected with the number one overall pick. So I think that that's a a pretty good game for Brandon to make up some ground because he's going to have to really be running to catch up to the blizzard. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Well, I'm receiving some some breaking news here while you're talking. Really, uh, the Patriots the Patriots are putting Steven Gostowski on injured reserve, so the Patriots are going to be looking for a new kicker. Gostowski's been our kicker since 2006, and so I guess kind of a shout out for the Bears. You're going to be looking, you know, needing to look for a new kicker this week as well. But anyway, that's uh, beside the point. I'll uh, we can get back to the matchup real quick here. So, wow, um, you know, Gurley needs to start the blizzard off. Uh, strong on Thursday night for sure. He's been kind of middling RB2 numbers so far. He's only averaging 12 points a week. Austin Hooper has been the surprise to me, really. You know, I, I kind of doubted him a little bit early on, and I gave Seth a hard time, so I think I'm going to, you know, admit my mistake on this one. Austin Hooper has kind of emerged. He's averaging 10 points a week. He's the fourth-ranked tight end right now. The Falcons' 
have no real run game to speak of this season. They've really just been throwing the ball. I don't really know why. Maybe it'll balance out more later this season, but really, three out of the four weeks here, he's put up good numbers, which is more than you can say for most tight ends. So I think that's really been the kind of the highlight on Seth's roster to date. Let's also look at his bench, too. He has Will Disley. Will Disley's been a complete surprise so far this year. I think in the past three weeks, he's had four touchdowns, and he's increasingly becoming a target yeah. that Russell Wilson loves to look at in the red zone. Yeah, so he's really got two good tight ends there that are serviceable and, you know, kind of a similar situation to last year when he had, um, who was it, Kittle and, oh, I can't remember the last, the other one I'm blanking, Kelsey. Yeah, yeah Kittle Kelsey. and Kelsey. Yeah, um, yeah. so maybe, maybe he looks to trade one of them. You know, I hope for something more than what he got last year, which was Lamar Miller <laughs> for Kelsey. Yeah, hey, I but, definitely uh, think you could get a bit more. Yeah, maybe he can try to get a little more this year. I mean, who am I to judge? He won the league last year, so... You know, whatever works, but he does have a great roster. The Tigers, if they end up winning this week, I think this is going to really be a, a big prove-it week for them. I think they're struggling with the roster um, injuries. They're starting Chris Thompson. You know, Marlon Mack is a little bit banged up. I think certainly this game will be definitely look different if Marlon Mack doesn't end up playing. He's got Jamal Williams also getting injured on the bench. Uh, Christian Christian Kirk has also gotten injured, so really he's leaning heavily on his quarterbacks, Mike Evans, you know Brandon Cooks, Darren Waller to kind of get the job done. I'm gonna be picking the Bligs in the Blizzard. I think this is gonna be, you know, one of the the closest matchups this week. I think this one's gonna be very exciting, close game, high scoring, and you know this is gonna have you know very big CFL implications for two kind of top teams here. What do you think? Yeah, so I'm with you in one aspect of that, in that the Blizzard will be winning this game. I okay. do not think it's going to be particularly close. I think, oh. as a bold prediction, I'm locking this in. This is my lock for the week. The Blizzard wow. will be taking down the Tigers. I respect the Tigers. I think they're the, probably the third, fourth, fifth best team. But all the injuries that have compiled and the roster that they're putting out this week does not inspire me, especially going into the Blizzard, you know. I'm predicting this matchup will have a deficit of at least 45 points. Wow. Well, it's good that Brandon's not here then, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you got to come with the takes. If uh, if you're, if he's not going to show up, I'm going to have to go against him. Yeah, yep. You're not wrong. Okay, well, that's our, uh, that's our last matchup here. Uh, I think that's going to do it for our podcast. Uh, Andrew, I appreciate you kind of filling in for, for Brandon this week on kind of short notice. Good luck to everyone's matchups and uh, enjoy the enjoy the good football. Yeah, all right. Thank you for having me, Connor. It was a blast. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, everyone. Have a good day. Take care.